have your Bible turned to Luke chapter 23, let's finish tonight our study together on the seven sayings uh, that were spoken from the cross. We have studied six thus far, and here we have the last thing recorded, spoken by the Savior in the 46th verse of Luke chapter 23. The Bible reads like this, and when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. And Lord, we are thankful that you are mighty to save. God, that you are able to break through our walls, to break through our foolishness, to break through our unbelief, and save us. We're thankful for that, Lord. And God, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be a people about your business. Tonight, we pray, God, as we study this last saying spoken from the cross, God, that you would guide us and direct us. I pray that you would anoint me tonight, God, to preach and to teach your word. God, that you would help us and comfort us with these words, help us to see their application to our life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple things briefly concerning the, uh, I suppose what I would call uh, theology of this text. Concerning the Spirit, Jesus said, into thy hands I commit my spirit. His body was going to the grave. Uh, It is the Spirit. We are a three-part being. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 speaks of the Spirit, the soul, and the body. And it is the spirit of man that separates him, if you will, from the rest of creation, from the rest of the animals. Uh, And it seems that the spirit is the highest part of our complex being. Zechariah 12.1 tells us that it is God that formeth the spirit within us. Uh, Numbers chapter 16 and verse 22 says that, Uh, concerning God, that He is the God of the spirits of all flesh. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 7 says that at death the spirit returns to God who gave it. And we see that the spirit at death is in the presence of the Lord. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The words spirit and soul are very similar. I've heard some that even try to argue that they are the exact same thing. There is no distinction between the two, but I have a difficult time in my studies coming to that conclusion, especially with texts like 1 Thessalonians 5:23, and uh, we see man with the spirit breathed into him. But I will confess that at times it is difficult to distinguish between the two and that both the soul, uh, my mind, my will, my emotions, and the spirit are often interchanged in text and, and, and the application would work either way. And so I will say that while I don't understand it all, I don't completely grasp exactly the distinguished Uh, how they're distinguished and exactly what that looks like. And I probably could not articulate that uh, the way that uh, is meant to be uh, understood. 
What I do know is this, that at the moment of death, we are in the presence of God. Uh, that we are in His hands. And that our spirit is with Him. And that there will come a day when we have a glorified body at the resurrection. Exactly what that's going to look like, I don't fully understand either. Uh, Paul says, I will be known as I am known. Uh, but I would imagine if I have a glorified body, it's probably going to look a little different than the one I'm in now. It's going to work a little different than the one I'm in now. It's going to be a lot better. And so I don't fully understand what it's all going to look like, but I do know this, that when we die, immediately the Spirit is in the presence of the Lord, and that is a comforting thing for those of us when we come to the same hour that we find our Savior in here in our text. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. This is the last thing ever recorded by the Lord. And we see the Savior, our Savior, back in communion with God. You remember when we studied, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And we discussed the idea that Jesus, even feeling forsaken, even being alone for a period of time, still called Him, my God. And here He calls Him, Father. Jesus often, and most often, referred to Him not as God, but as Father. The very first thing that we ever see recorded concerning the Savior the very first thing he ever spoke was this. Do you not know that I must be about my Father's business? Jesus had a relationship with the Father that was always on his mind. And what was probably his first public and formal sermon or teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks of the Father 17 times. In his final sermon, which was to the disciples specifically, in John chapter 14 through 16, he uses the word Father 45 times. And now as he lays down his life, he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. The word Father, what a comforting word. And because he was his Father, he is now also our Father. The blessedness of having God as a Father. Having one that can protect us at all times, one that can be with us at all times, one that can comfort us at all times, one that can provide our every need. His Father is now our Father. There is comfort in the title Father. You realize that God is not only your God, which He is that, but He is also your Father. He loves you with the relationship of father and child, father and son, father and daughter. He loves you. And Jesus had this relationship with his father that was foremost in his mind. And the last thing that he speaks is, Father, back into thy hands I commit my spirit. If God is my father, then he loves me just as he loves Christ. If God is my Father and He loves me, then He cares for me. If He cares for me, He will supply all my needs according to His riches and His grace. He is my Father. 
He will see to it that no harm will come my way that He will not protect me from. He will see to it that everything that comes against me, He will take and turn into something that will work out for my good and His glory. It is important that we as His children enter into a more deeply and practical understanding of our relationship of Him as our Father. When we see God as our Father, it becomes easier, though not always great, it becomes much easier to go to Him when we fall, to go to Him when we fail, to go to Him when we feel like we're insignificant, like we don't have anything to offer. There's one thing about my children. I, they certainly don't enjoy the wrath of Dad. They don't enjoy getting in trouble by Dad. But you watch when they're fearful. You watch when something goes on. The very first thing they do is they want to come running and, and, and they want to be held. And when we see our relationship with God beyond simply master and slave, beyond this great God that's beyond our comprehension and us as these, these little people who need Him, that now that we've come to know Him, now that he, we have, we have uh, been made sons and daughters, we have a relationship with Him as Father. That at all times, no matter what I'm going through, no matter the circumstances in my life, no matter how difficult the situation I'm facing, no matter what type of confusion I'm in, I have a Father and I can just rest in His arms. And while I might not always understand, while God might not always tell me exactly what the answer is to my dilemma, and while God might not always take away that pain, He is always there as our Father to hold us in that place. And as Jesus was breathing His last breath, Again, he cries out that awesome word, Father. 1 John 3, one says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. We also see in our text an amazing contrast of the transition from the hands of men into the hands of God. Jesus has told His disciples in Matthew chapter 17, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill Him. For several hours now, since the Garden of Gethsemane, He had been in the hands of men. At the cross, in some ways, He was in the hands of Satan. He was in the hands of His enemies. He was being betrayed at the hands of men. But now, as he breathes his last breath, he is in the hands of God, in the hands of his heavenly Father. It's an amazing contrast that we too will one day, each and every one of us, will one day make that transition from being in this world, from being exposed to the things of this world, from dealing with the wrath of man, from dealing with the pains of Satan, to being in the hands of God. And at this moment, at this transition, not only was He no longer in the hands of men, but He's in the hands of the Father, never to endure again the pains and the trials and the tribulations of the cross. We see that the Father's hands are the place of eternal security. 
The Father's hands are the place of eternal security. When we leave this place, it is in His hands that we go. Those hands are a picture of care and comfort. This is important because this is our ultimate goal. I hope to be able to put into words what I mean by this. But ultimately, everything that we do as Christians is moving towards that day when we are in the total and final care of the Father's hand. Originally, Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. And God took care of all of Adam's needs. There was nothing there to, to fight against Adam. There was, there was no, uh, at that time, there was no inherent sin nature. And God cared for every need. God had an intimate relationship with Adam. And then the fall. And since the fall, God has been working to reconcile us to Him. That we might have a relationship with Him. And this morning, I preached about waking up. And I preached about being about the Father's business. And I preached about the reality that there's some things we're not going to be able to do once we get there. And there is a reason we're here. There is a purpose that we're here. But I do want to say this. In the midst of all of that, in the midst of the work, in the midst of the preaching, in the midst of the service, let us never forget it's about building a relationship with our Father. And might I say that you'll never be able to do much for the Father if you're not first spending time with the Father. Let us never get so busy about the work of God that we're not stopping to spend time with God and to receive directions and instructions from Him. Ultimately, ultimately, God saved me simply to be with me. That is a blessed fact. To make me His Son. And in the midst of all of our service, in the midst of all of our toils, in the midst of our singing, in the midst of our preaching, in the midst of everything that we do, let us not forget we have a Father who wants a relationship with us. And one day that relationship, it will be full, complete, finally and forever when we leave this world and go into the next. And if this is the ultimate end for us, if this is the ultimate goal, that again we can be in complete, unrestrained fellowship with the Father, then while we're here, we need to remember that this should be the primary goal of our individual lives as Christians is to build our relationship with our Father. It's, more than, it's not about just serving Him. It's not about just giving. It's not about just going through the motions. It's not about just studying your Bible. You know why you read your Bible? So that you'll know your Father. He has revealed Himself to us through the Word. He has revealed Himself to us through the Bible. This is why we read it. It's not just about facts. It's not just so that I can learn more, so that I can tell somebody what it says. It is about learning to know who He is so that I can be in a relationship with Him as my Father. We see the, the Father's hands are the place of eternal security. We see that even in the hour of death, there is communion with the Father. And we see that our expectation and our earnest desire is to be with Him. Even in the hour of death. 
If in that moment, our Savior can be content and say, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. If even in the moment of death, we can rest in the fact we are in the Father's hands, then how much less should we be able to be free from worry, free from doubt, free from those types of stresses in the pains and tribulations of this world? We are in the Father's hands. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? The answer is none. Tonight, only believers are warranted and encouraged to commend their spirits into the hands of God. It is a blessed fact for those of us that are saved to think about that day. I enjoy my life here on earth. I have a great family. I have a great calling thankful for what God has done with me, in me, and through me. But I cannot wait for the day when I actually meet Him face to face. I think, I think that uh, it would do us well to meditate on that day. To realize it's going to come. And when that day comes, all the pains of this world, they'll fade into the background. You know one of my favorite things to say, and a few of you have heard me say it if you've worked with me through the week when things go wrong, I say this a lot. Bless God, it's not going to matter in heaven. It's the last thing I'm going to be thinking about up there. And when we really get a hold of where we're going, when we get a hold of what lies ahead, when we get a hold of what eye has not seen and ear has not heard, the things, that God has prepared for us. And we do a little bit of meditating. I'm moving there. That's where I'm headed that way. And as I preach this morning, my salvation, that final end, it's nearer than when I first believed. And it's probably nearer than we know. The trials of this world seem to fade into the background. They're not as important. They don't consume my time. They're, they're not that big of a deal when I realize where I'm headed. But this is not true for the unbeliever. And I believe this is the main reason that God leaves us here. There's a reason God doesn't just pull us out of this world when He saves us. It is that we might proclaim the message of the gospel to those who do not yet believe. Hebrews 10.31 says that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. This is a fearful thing for those who are not right with God. To fall into the hands of a living God. We also see, as he cries out, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, the value of the spirit. It is eternal. He says nothing about his body, but about his spirit. What does this mean for us? What is the application? that we should be a people who are in tune to the need to build up our inner man, to build up my spirit. That this body is fading. This body is going to die. This is not the same body I'm going to be bringing to heaven anyways. I'm going to have a glorified body. And how often do we find ourselves 
consumed, much like I spoke about this morning, on things of this world, on temporary things. I believe it's good to have a healthy body. I think there's something to be said about taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. For It happens to be this tent, as Peter calls it. It's just a tent that I happen to live in for a brief period of time. But it is the tent of the Holy Spirit of God. It is the tent of my spirit. And I think there is something to be said about taking care of our bodies and living healthy and being a good example. But ultimately, I need to be focused on building up if you will, my spirit. My energies, the things I study, the things I read, the places I go, the people I hang with, the way that I live my life needs to be about building up my spirit, my inner man. There's nothing really more important than my relationship with God. And we see this final principle tonight. That after it's all said and done, after you have fought every fight, after you have endured every temptation, after you have performed the work the Father has sent you to do, after you have been attacked, after you have uh, went through persecution, after you have lived long enough to, to, to deal with the pains of life, and you've, you've seen children born, you've seen people die, you've, you've lived this life, after we've gone through it all, Once and for all, we find ourselves safe and secure in the hands of the Lord. For Jesus, He made this passing from this life into the next. and For Him, it's a little bit different than us because He knows what was there. He is there. He was there. He was there before the foundations of the world. And you and I were not. But there will come a time for each of us when we're going to make that passing. Do you think about it often? Do you think about dying much? You should. Because it's a reality for each and every one of us. For those of us that are Christians, there should be a blessed peace that comes with it. There should be. You shouldn't be afraid to die. As a child of God, you should not be afraid to die. There's, there's nothing wrong with being... Uh, um, I, I don't know the right word for it. I don't even want to use the word afraid. But, but there's nothing wrong with wondering, what's it going to be like? What's the transition going to be? How, what, you know, when do you know? Is it a second and all of a sudden it's peace? Is, what is it like? And that wonder of the unknown. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But we should not and need not be fearful. And just as our Savior who lived the perfect example for us, He came, he had a purpose. You and I have a purpose too. He was concerned about the Father's will. His life that He lived as an example for us was about knowing the Father, being in tune with the Father, spending time with the Father, getting up early in the morning, spending time with the Father, spending time with the Father late into night. He, 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 was about, he was a man who lived in that relationship. And he was about the Father's business. Even when the Father's business led to that awful cup of the cross, which we have discovered, we have spent time together studying over the last month and a half, he was about the Father's business. And after it was all said and done, the same is true of us. After all of our hard work, after everything that we have gone through, after every trial that we've done, every cup that we've drank, if you will, every cross that we have uh, 
had to bear for the sake of our Lord, there will come a time when each of us can say, Father, into thy hands I commit thy spirit. Lord, into thy hands I commit my spirit. It's going to happen. Are you ready for it tonight? Are you ready? And can I encourage you, until that day comes, be about the Father's business. Build your relationship with Him. Don't get so busy doing work for Him that you forget to spend time with Him. We live in a world that is full of trouble. And we, in and of ourselves, are unable to care for ourselves in life. The world, the flesh, and the devil are against you. The greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We see in the cross that it is the harbor from the storms of life. It is in the cross and in our faith in the finished work that we can come to the Lord at all times. That we can cry out, Father, now. And we must never forget the sacred work of the cross. Because Jesus endured it and because He went all the way through it and to the point of death, now we can, uh, we can approach God as clean in His sight, as holy in His sight because of the precious work of the blood. And let us never forget that. We don't, come to the cross, we don't come to the Lord on the basis of our works. We don't come to the Lord on the basis of what we've done, but on the basis of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. There is a refuge in the cross. And ultimately, we are headed once and for all into the Father's hand, which is the heart's true heaven. Amen? Let's close in prayer tonight. Father, we do love you. And Lord, we are um, overwhelmed at the reality of our inability to fully grasp all that you have done for us.